pretty thorny cases of Rebel Yoshev, as that's so. Uh, I want to start today with a little bit of, I guess you might call it Musr, um, to sort of get us into the El mood, but we will be dealing with Rebel Yoshev's Psalkim. But first, uh, I want to uh, emphasize that today's shear, especially the food that everyone is uh, setting them for themselves and hopefully going to enjoy, uh, would not have been possible had it not been for uh, the dedication of Mr. Mordechai Knecht, Marty Knecht, wonderful uh, person in Elizabeth, is a big askin for the Tzibur. He lives most of the time, I guess, in Eretz Yisrael, and part of the time here. Whenever he's here, he's always part of the shir and learning and doing things with Taivas Klal Yisrael. Uh, he also has a, uh, a great uh, firm that deals with closings and any type of housing issues that you might have legal points with, so that's Marty Knecht, Abstract uh, in Elizabeth. Marty has dedicated today's year. He's dedicated Shem Shurim in the past as well. I think this is his third dedication. Today is a very somewhat of a sad dedication. A woman who was just nifter, we actually dedicated a shear to her a, a couple of weeks ago, a Sarafega Bas Bluma. I was told at the time to be very low-key about who she was. Now that she has unfortunately passed on, that she was nifter on Chofhei um, on Monday, late Monday afternoon, right before Shkia, I can say who she is. She's someone, Aisha Tznua Mechubedes. And again, I wrote this very quickly, so I apologize to the Bernstein family. Uh, I know that there's a lot more that can be said about the wonderful personality that she had. And the, how important she was to your how to, to your family and to the community in Elizabeth and beyond. Akaris to Ferris Beisa Rebetzin Fay Bernstein, Sarafega, and here instead of Blumo, like the Minig Yisrael, is once a person passes on, as we say, Basra Chaim, and the Chataka Bishishtaka have a Chaim A couple of weeks ago, we used different psukim, psukim that I guess indicated our hope that she would be well. Uh, her illness came upon her very suddenly. She was an Aishas Chayo helping her husband, who should have a refuah Rabbi Bernstein. And she started to, unfortunately, uh, become much more ill and in a much more difficult stage. And the family was doing everything that they could to try to deal with Nebuch Tuchaylam, a father and a mother. Unfortunately, she passed away. Um, and Sora, as we see here, is Shama Kovru Avram Vesora Ishtoi. The last sort of words of Yaakov Avinu before he goes to the Zayom Ames. Shama Kovru Avram Vesora Ishtoi. Shama Kovru Es Yitzchak Ves Rivka Ishtoi. Vesoma Kavarti Es That's the final words of Yaakov, basically, before he is Yaakov Loimes, but these are the last words that he said, the connection to family, the connection to Mishpocha. Um, and uh, this family, the Bernstein family, is unique in Elizabeth. It's a family that, although they grew up in a city that declares itself a modern Torah Orthodox community, and there is, of course, nothing wrong with being a modern Orthodox Torah community. But if you see the way their children, the six children, were raised with the types of mitas tevas, they all, all it was it almost with the tzidkas that you can see almost in, in all of them, uh, hanhogas tevas and a family of bnei teira. Uh, the family is clearly very, very special in Elizabeth, and very special really, as the Levaya had rabbonim and from from all over. America and Canada were there at the Leviathan, indicating the Hashivas of, of the Nifteris. And Fega, Pisleim Nofla Bovel, this is a Pusik in Yermia, that of course Bovel fell suddenly. Mrs. Bernstein, her devolvement and the illness came so suddenly for them. And I'm going to say a little, a little remez, Bovel is. Bas Bluma, that's who she was. Pisaim Nofla Bas Bluma. She unfortunately passed away and it was quick and, and it was so difficult to, to register. Now the family is really mourning and in pain over what had occurred to her. I, I say to the family, try to take something. The pain that you saw your mother through, take some sort of sorry, take some sort of 
a balm for that pain. I know it's very difficult to watch someone, the yogain that happens when you see a person in such a terrible state and the frustration you had with the doctors and with the hospital and, and just not knowing, no ulai terafe, that it's possible that you will have a refuah, things will get better. That's the only thing I can say now. So we're talking about Rebel Yoshev, and there's three, again, um, I was writing this because I, uh, I had a, a number of issues here this morning and um, mitzvahs, and I was very happy to be involved in them. But the titles here, as you can see, there's there, we got three things that we want to try to do with. Last week we were pretty successful at it. The first one that's mentioned here is probably the one I should leave to the end, which is the Langer case rocks. That, of course, is the uh, most one of the most uh, infamous cases in Psokim um, that Rebel Yoshev was involved in. Of course, was also primarily involved uh, the chief rabbi of Eretz or Shlomo Gorin. And uh, this was the psak that everybody, I'm sure, Yaakov, you, I'm sure you remember it in Eretz Yisrael, the psak dina achvachot, the famous psak where Gorin reversed. And we're going to talk about that Langer case. And when I mean rocks, I don't mean it rocks like in the uh, 1980s way or whatever it is, or 60s or 70s, that it rocks, man. It rocked, it rocked the, the whole country. And it rocked things in America as well. And it really, besides the importance of Rebel Yoshev's life, we'll talk about what that was, it was very important in terms of indicating the difference between the Mafdal community, the Mizrach, the Dati Le'umi community, the nationalistic, Zionistic community, back the Rabbanut, and the Haredi community. There was Rav Unterman, who was the, the, the uh, up until that time, he had been the until uh, 72, he was the Rav Aroshi. Uh Rav Unterman, of course, was the Rav before, uh, was after Rav Herzog. So you had Rav Herzog, you had Rav Kuksatzal, Rav Herzog, Rav Unterman. And although there might have been some pikpukim on Rav Kuk, Rav Unterman was very, very close, even as Rav Herzog we've talked about, with Rav Gorin, and especially with this Psak. The idea of that the chief rabbi doesn't speak for us, that the rabbanut might be possible, that idea started to really flower, and it really had a great effect on Rabbi Yosha. We'll get to that towards the end. Um, Rav Moshe is the man. Now, this has to do, we'll see, with Rabbi Yosha, Sarocha, Rav Moshe, and especially in a certain psak that Rav Moshe gave here in America that was a very important psak. But I want to start as a little segue, and I, I hope it will be appreciated. From the idea of Hakaras Hatoiv and El Yashivian perspective. Um, that was probably a Mida that, uh, Rebel Yoshev, there's so many, I, I could, I, I have a, a found just in a, a small amount of research, uh, quite a bit of discussion about this Mida of Hakaras Hatoiv that Rebel Yashiv was extremely strong in. And there's certain Piske Alocha that have to do with Hakaras Hatoiv that I want to talk about. Just as a little segue, when I was at the base Ovo the last couple of days, uh, they told me that Mrs. Bernstein, Zatzal, was, this was the meat that she gave to her family to try to be as self-sufficient as possible. And when some, and never forget when someone has helped you and done something for you. And this, the family was a standout in this. So this was something that Rebel Yoshev also was a very strong proponent of. And I'm going to start with a little bit of, um, I, we'll start with what I think is really a beautiful story. Let's see if I have it here. Um, this was, and you can see it was, it was again, I, it's all in your email. But I love this story because it has so many elements to it. So let's start with this. And this is about Rabbi Yoshev's Hakaras HaToiv and the limits of Hakaras HaToiv. So Rabbi Yoshev's grandson spoke about the fact that... Um, at the towards the end of his days, and of course I call this the the return of Rebel Yoshev, and you'll see why. But this was towards the end of his life, as Rebel Yoshev still active, but clearly he was never uh, 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 he was never a, a big person. He wasn't a wide person, but his his body started to become even more um, shrunken. I guess is a bad way to say it, but that's what was happening. And because of that, he was having a problem with his tefillin because his tefillin would keep on slipping off of his head. In other words, his, his skin had become so thin 
that his regular batim of tefillin were not holding properly. So one of his grandsons happened to find that there was a batim macher in Yerushalayim that was specializing in these very small tefillin. It was tefillin, there was Rashi Rebbeinu Tam together, and there are, um, in fact, many people, Dafka wants smaller tefillin because they won't slip off the head, they stay exactly where they should be, and there was a lot of chumras and hidurim, and even a couple, even 10, 15 years ago, these, uh, it would cost thousands of dollars to get a pair of such miyuchadik tefillin. You should wear two pairs at once. Uh, yeah, right. Well, you're going to be, it's, right. So now, um, Rebel Yoshev had told his grandson that um, he hopes there's a way that um, that he could somehow figure out a way that his tefillin stops slipping. It was bothering him, of course. So when the grandson discovered this batemacher with the expensive tefillin, um, he thought this would be a great gift to give to the tzaddik, to Rebel Yoshev. So he took the batemacher together to meet Rebel Yoshev, and they spoke. Of course, Rebel Yoshev understood exactly what was going on. They spoke about all oh, what you need to do to make the tefillin this way and how you have to write the parshias. Um, and, Rebbe, and his grandson asked Rebel Yoshev, would you like such a pair of tefillin? He said, of course. Uh, that would be tremendous. That would be what I want. Took a number of months, two or three months, the tefillin were ready. Um, now, when the when the job was finished, they came up to present the tefillin to Rebel Yoshev. Rebel Yoshev took them. He checked them, of course. And you could see on his face a tremendous simcha of mitzvah that he had tefillin now. So, um, the grandson thought this would be Rabbi Yoshev's second pair. Right away, he took out his old pair and he put them in a special place. He says, "These are going to be my new tefillin." Now, and that's what he wore to Atzayif Yomov. Now, of course, Rabbi Yoshev asked the batemacher. They asked the tefillin maker. He said, "Okay, what's the price?" Um, he said, "No, no, this is a matona for the rov." And I'll tell you because a matona says, "No." He says, I'm not taking any matonas. He says, I don't take matonas. I'm going to pay for the tefillin. So the, the batimacher said, look, Rebbe, I actually told someone who came in to look at my tefillin when I was making it. And I said, I'm making a pair from Rebbe Yoshev. This is a wealthy person from Chutz Loritz who also said that he would, he asked me to buy, to pay for, to ask me if, to, to make him a pair. And he would pay for both pairs. Make this pair for Rebel Yoshev. I'm going to pay. There's a person, a nadvin, who's willing to pay for both. So I've already gotten paid. This person's already going to pay me because I made him another pair that's exactly like yours. And he wanted to have a duplicate, just like the Rav is wearing. So um, the Rebel Yoshev says, I don't care. He says, even though you're getting paid by someone who I don't know, I'm not taking something for nothing. So they had to come up with something. So the price that he gave, instead of the $2,000, whatever it was, he said, okay, two fifty, which of course was maybe a quarter or, or whatever, five and a quarter of what it was worth. As soon as he heard that, uh, he went to his uh, cabinet, he took out his checkbook, he put in exactly uh, the money, and he said, I want, you don't, have, you don't have to tell me who the person is, but you have to give this money to whoever is paying for the tefillin. He says, this is my chalik. Um Then he told him, but don't stop. He says, I've got, I, you, I owe you something, how much you worked, and you worked so quickly for me. So the Baal Malocha said, I don't want anything, Rebbe. I don't need anything. He said, no, no. He says, I have to give you something. What is it that you want? You've gotten paid. What is it that you want? So the Baal Malocha said, could you write me maybe a, a ksav brocha? Write me a letter, a brocha. Not just give me the brocha. This way I can have a... <laughs> Listen, we knew how old he was at that time. Can I have some sort of zecher from you? So he says, yes, I'll do that. After the Bamalocha left, Rabbi Yoshev turns to his grandson and he says, I'm not just going to write him a letter. I want to give him a gift. He says, we have svarim here 
from, I have two grandfathers. One of them, of course, was the great Makubul the Balaleshem. So I don't know if that's what we should give him. But my other grandfather, my other grandfather, Rav Moshe Erner, who was also considered from the Chavetz Chaim, one of the Basikim of, of Lita. I have his svarim, his chuvas, his chidushim. Many people don't have it. We have a, we have another extra set. Okay, I'm going to give him that set. Bring the svarim. Now I mentioned in the past how Rebel Yoshev felt the greatest chesed that he did was giving time to people and how makbid he was on every minute of his time. According to his grandson, in order to write this letter, he said that he's for an hour. And we're not talking about me, takes or, or one of us. Rebel Yoshev sat for an hour to make sure that he had written properly a beautifully composed dedication to this Tfilin Macher. Um, and he worked on it and worked on it. And he said, he, he said, okay, what do you think? How we should, he was so careful how we should describe him. He wanted every word to be mazukic, like he was writing the Constitution of the United States. I wanted every word to be perfect. And it got so late that Rebel Yoshev already was, it was time for him to go to sleep. He said, okay, the first thing in the morning, I'm going to keep on working on this. The next morning, Rebel Yoshev was up at three in the morning. And what was he doing, of course? Working. He was working. Well, actually, it was after davening. I'm sorry. It was after davening. He took off his beautiful tefillin. And he stood there writing carefully every single word into the sefer in order that it should be the type of hakaras hatev malaya that he should get. So this is a little bit about Rebel Yoshev's sense of, of of how you have to understand when people do so, even though for him, he would be saying, he would be telling his, he's going to tell his great-grandchildren how he made tefillin for Rebel Yoshev. But Rebel Yoshev felt that he has to be makir toiv. Now, um, the... Uh, I felt this story, though, is a little bit of alumnus about what Hakaras Hatoiv means. First of all, Rabbi Yoshev says, you can take a look on the board, it says, <laughs> He says, I know one thing. When I go to Ayom Haba, there's not going to be a ledger against me that I wasn't Makar Tov to someone. He <clears throat> says, this is one of my standpoints. <laughs> I always make sure to, 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 to take care of anyone who has done something positive. And that shows that he wasn't just, people have this idea that he was a... Uh, uh, you know, he was in his room and he didn't know what was going on. There's, there's even this shmua raw about him. They didn't know the name of his children. There's, all, you know, he had. Uh, he had there's people that say that he wasn't sure exactly the names of all his children. That that shmua has been um, circulated. He had ten children. He wasn't exactly sure of their names. He didn't care. Um, he was extremely makbid on Hakar Satov. And this, I thought, was a little bit of a lumdus. There is a great Rabdudi Cohen. Who is a Magid Shir, very, uh, very important Magid Shir in Hebron right now. Um, now, um, when he was much younger, someone has to give you a break, right? We all know. Is Rabbi Skase there? I haven't heard that. Sure. He hasn't responded. Okay, so you can stay. He'll, he'll tell you when he's here. He'll come uh, what to see you. What time do you leave so you can come back? Okay, I'm not sure, but uh, he'll, he'll find you. He'll find you. So, Rabdudi Cohen, who is now one of the most well-known Magid Shir in Hebron, David Cohen. So everyone knows him in Eretz Yisrael. But he started off his career in a small yeshiva. I'm not sure which one. I'm sure if I worked on it, I can find out. So we talked about Rav Shach a number of weeks ago and how Rav Shach was sort of like the architect of everything that was happening. He was putting all the things in places. He interceded in Hebron in order for them to take this Reb David as a Magid Shir. However, the Rosh Hashiva, who had given him his job, the first Yeshiva said, you're such a great Magachir, you know, and, and, and I, you got to have a chance, right? You have to have, who's the person that opens the door for you to let you flower? And that was this earlier Rosh Hashiva in this smaller place. So he felt that the person's coming to me, he's begging me to stay. Maybe that's what I should do. So his father, who's also a big Talmud Chacham, Rabbi Yosef Cohen, uh, he, he, Rabbi Yosef says, it's a good Shiloh. He says, let's go to Rabbi Yosef to decide what you should do. Again, the chance is to go to another job, a job that would allow him to teach triple the amount of Talmidim, to be well known. 
but he has, should have, should have a korasatov to the place that hired him, the place where he was working, right? The place that gave him his start, and the Rashiva begged him to stay. Rabbi Yashiv said, well, the two yeshivas, Hevron is definitely a place that you're going to be more, be more of a marbitz tyrant. I, the time of Akaras take a look at the Chiddush of Rebel Yashav his. It's on the border. Let's say you give me something, right? Let's say you give me uh, a meal. You gave me a great meal from green chickpea when I was hungry. So now, uh, as a you decide, here, here's, here's my meal from green chickpea. So that doesn't make any sense, right? The whole point is, I give you something. You recognize how significant that is. Like we saw Rabbi Yosho, he wrote the, the Mikhtav, he, he wrote them this beautiful thing on the Sefer. But he says, what is the gift? What is the gift that that first Rosh Hashiva gave you? He gave you the possibility to be a Marbitz Torah, to be a great teacher. <laughs> he says, you, to give it back, to go to stay here, is in a way giving back the gift. Because now you won't, you're going to limit the amount you're going to be able to teach. The gift is you gave me the chance to teach. Now it can grow and become even further. It won't be called akarasatayv if you give that back. <laughs> if you if you stay and you limit the amount that you're going to be teaching, that's like throwing the gift. That's like giving the gift back. And that I thought was a very interesting look that Rabbi Yashiv had. And he said, therefore, <laughs> find something else to give him, and that'll be an ace of akarasatayv. So I thought that was an interesting Rebel Yoshim sense of Akaras Hatev. However, um, I have to tell you here, on, here's a psaac that I saw a number of years ago. Uh, my computer was not working so well this morning, but I had to uh, start it a whole bunch of times, but I found the tshuva. This was the question. Um, Ruvain, <coughs> as you can see on the board, Ruvain had a, a difficult heart attack. And there was a non-Jewish doctor who treated him. And what was he able to do? He was able to save him. Perhaps other uh, cardiologists wouldn't have been able to save him. This one, he was able to save uh, Ruven. Now, Ruven kept up a connection with the man who had saved his life. And he heard that the man had, uh, was going, had kidney problems. And was now in a situation where he actually was in kidney failure and lost both of his kidneys, this cardiologist. And the word had gone out that this cardiologist needed a kidney. So this Jewish fellow, Ruven, says, this guy saved my life. I, I wanna, I'm going to give him a kidney. I'm gonna, I want to be up there. I want to go and, and give him something. Now, we know, of course, that um, you have to be pretty healthy to give a kidney, even <coughs> if you have two of them. My sister, Leilene, who um, they discovered, again, this was all part of the the terrible situation that, that I wasn't able to discover what actually had happened to her. But when the doctor said they could only find one kidney in her, I don't know why. It could be a kidney was taken out of her in some terrible place where she was institutionalized. I don't know. But um, a person can live with one kidney, but it's not so simple. Some people actually may be born with an unseparated kidney. Like, instead of it separating as two from birth, right. in this case, it's one. My grandmother was a so could be that's what it was, but we know one kidney is not a walk in the park. It, you need to be healthy enough to live with one kidney. So this was the question. The guy wanted to do this thing. Okay. So, you know what? We Last week we had a nice little discussion here about this. What would you say? <laughs> what would you say, Hever, people around here? I mean, it's a beautiful story, right, up until this point. What, what do you think? You think it's a... Uh, what would you say? You want to give the doctor? You, this is the. So Yaakov is reading the Hebrew where it says that maybe you're not supposed to give gifts to non-Jews. In other words, lo sichanem is that <laughs> it's a pasuk in the Torah that literally means don't let the non-Jews live in Eretz Israel. The Chazal. In the Gemara of Odezara, I have a drasha that what does Lo Sechane mean? Lo Tzitein Lachem Matanat Chinam. I know it's not such a popular thing to say, especially in this forum, but I, it is Chazal. Chazal say that you shouldn't just give away gifts to non-Jews. The same way you can't give them parts of Eretz Yisrael, you're not supposed to give gifts to give something more than you should. So that was the question. So 
the question was first asked of Zilberstein. Can, can I ask a preliminary question? Yeah, yeah. Even, but what's what's your sense? Ask the question. Then tell me what you think. If, if, yeah. Even if the doctor was Jewish, going back to what you were saying, if his health was not good, is he allowed to endanger his life and give up a kidney? Very good. David is saying based on the Yoshi. So you don't. In other words, you mock your toe. You're not mock your toe. By he saved your life. What? So you now shorten your life on his behalf? That seems to be strange. I mean, this thing is a lot of people get kidneys, so there's like, I think there's a risk uh, reward factor, so to say. So, in other words, depending on how healthy you are. Right, I think so. Yeah, again, the fact, that, risks, the fact that this was guy had a, had a heart attack in the Someone past. Someone gives a kidney and be hit by a car when they walk out of the hospital. I mean, like, there are a lot of, you know, I understand, but, the, but, 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 Yoni, they do I, some tests on you to see if you're healthy enough right. to be a kidney. Right. Right? So that was the shy. So it's interesting how Rav Zilberstein starts off, and it, it, again, it's, it's strange the way some people start their, their their sources from, but it's an interesting source. I, it's unusual. He says there's a Pusik by Rachav Azona. We know, remember, Rachav Azona was the, uh, was the courtesan who sort of uh, hid the Jewish spies who came into Eretz Yisrael in the meeting of Sefer Yeshua. And she hid them, and they and they were uh, they weren't discovered. So they told her as a sign of how much they appreciated. They said, "Nafshenu tachtechem lamos or lamoves sagido es In other words, if, if, if you keep us, we promise you. Which means what the Radak says that if somebody wants to try to kill you. Right, we're going to stand up to them, even to the point of of, of encountering them and, and putting our lives in danger to make sure nothing happens to you. So, how, how could the those those agents? I think there's a Chazal that says that one of them was Kolev, but I'm not sure who the two Maragum or one of them was the same Kolev. How could they promise her that? He says they promised that in order because she had saved them that they'd be willing. To 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 stand in a way to to save her in a way that they would die. Um, it must be that hakaras hatov is different. When it comes to hakaras hatov, you can even save someone like Rakav, who at this point was one of the people that needed to be killed. If you remember, the pasuk says that they killed all the people from the seven nations who was meant to be killed. Rakav was saved. She was Magayer. You know, we all know the story. She actually converted. And we know who her husband ended up being, Yeshua. Yeshua ended up uh, living with her. The Gemara Megillah, of course, says that Rachav was one of the most seven beautiful women of all time. Right? I don't have to tell you the other Chazal Kolalimer Rachav Rachav Miad Nasav Alkeri. The Gemara says even just saying her name, right? It's like Meryl Monroe to the tenth degree. Just saying the name Rachav would cause a person to, to, to become so sexually excited. So that ended up being Yeshua's wife. She was, maybe that's where some of the good looks of Kal Yisrael comes from. You never know. I'll call upon him. Rachav Azoyna became part of Kal Yisrael and Aisha Tzadeka. She ended up becoming Yeshua's wife. But at the time, she was just a Zoyna, a good-hearted, a whore with a heart of gold who was helping them. So, Lachora, can you bring a riot from this busset that somebody helps you, you have a right to go for him? You helped me, I'm willing to, to, to endanger myself. That was before she helped them. So maybe that was to cement her participation. Good answer. That's going to be one of, one of the good answer. A good answer. Another riot Rav Zilberstein wanted to bring was from Yosef. We know that... Um, and again, Chazal have a very interesting story so by Aishas Potiphar. By Aishas Potiphar, right when when he get when he got thrown into the Saramah, right before that, she actually claimed that he had raped her, right? And and it was only and what she did was she actually uh, placed onto the um, onto the bedsheet what she thought was a semen stain. But really what it was, was egg white. She actually took egg white and she put it on the, right? And she said, look, you see, this is, right? That's, that's what the Pusik says here. Like when she, when she, uh, the push-up shot is that she grabbed onto his item of clothing and she said, here. So the Chazal learned out that she actually had uh, created some phony evidence to Yosef's uh, attempted or his copulation with her. So 
one, talk about Sherlock Holmes before. So one of the Kaimrim of Mitzrayim was actually a bucky and, and what's what, and he actually took a candle and he said, candle, when fire, when light is, is put towards semen, it has a certain look, and when it's put towards egg white, it has a different look. And it was based on when he put it on candlelight, he was able to see that clearly that this was a bilbul. Now, there's still a, an aristocratic woman making a uh, uh, claim. They didn't want to just so see you didn't interrupt. So, does you will you oh. still be here after the second? Yeah, 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 you're right. Yeah. So the the claim. So what happened? So. They said, look, we're going to put her in prison. You're not going to die for being a rapist, but again, this is Mitzrayim, and she is somebody special. We know she's lying, but you're not going to die. You're going to have a job in the prison. You're going to be in the prison. Eh, you're not going to die. So Yosef was makir tov to the, these were the Komre Mitzrayim. These were the uh, sort of like the priests who were around. So because of that, Chazal say that he says, Admas Kohanim. In other words, there was a place that even though he took in a lot of the land, the priest's land was always theirs. They didn't have to give their land up to Paro. So Yosef, who really could have taken everything based on what what what, what Paro had said, because he had given the eights, and remember he bought up all the land and everything, he says, that is theirs. So once again, you see that even though he's giving them a gift, so to speak, He's Makertov. That's a sign of Akarasatov. So that's what Rev Zilberstein, it's like, you know, it's unusual, but that's Rev Zilberstein's proofs that, that you can give your kidney. Look at these from Chazal. How can we bring proof from that? That's once more, that's not Jewish money. Right, but he was giving them a gift. Right, but Yosef was, in, in a sense, the owner of it because Yosef had, that's what Paro gave Yosef the power of Mitzrayim, and a lot of that was his personal wealth. Because he had bought it up, right? Anyway, you're right, it's a good question. Anyway, when Rabbi Yashif heard these sort of midrashic sort of proofs, he says, no, he says, look. <laughs> he says, basically, look, I, don't bring me a raya from these, from these midrashim and from Chazal, even from the Radak. He says, first of all, they might have made the Shvua, but uh, who says that they were bound by the Shvua? Maybe it was just something they said in order to save their lives, which you're allowed to do, which is what David is saying. So you may have to rebel Yashid. The second thing he said was, and this is the point I wanted to point out about Akaris Hatayv. He says, what did the doctor do? The doctor did his job. Oh, what did he do? He, he did, he went, okay, he was, he was, he was the top doctor on the floor. So, Akaris Hatov is, okay, he deserves a kidney because of that? And his job as the doctor, as a cardiologist, he says, to go ahead and, and give for Akaris Hatov way beyond Again, look at it in perspective, right? This is way beyond. So therefore, that's not what Akaras HaTov is. And if you go more in your Akaras HaTov, so I know it sounds strange, then you do maybe get into the problem of giving gifts, lo sichonem, that perhaps you shouldn't be giving. So this is Rebel Yoshev. And again, it's interesting. It's multifaceted a little bit about his sense of Akaras HaTov. I guess I should... Yeah. Yeah, it's it is important. One last thing on on Rebel Yoshev again. I don't know. To me, I, I believe it's a um, here. Let's try this one. Now, I don't. You, the people who know your Shalayim politics better than I do will know who we're talking about. Um, this, oh, not this one. Sorry. Um, I'm not sure. This is Rebel Yosher Mamash Besoyf If you can see here, um, you can see how ill he was and how ill he looked. Um, they mentioned here in the beginning of this uh, little story that um, that there was a question whether Rebel Yosher should have an operation or not. Uh, the doctor said that there's only a 20 percent chance that he would live, an 80 percent chance that he wouldn't live. Um, 
In other words, but that wouldn't be so much affected by the aperation. In other words, he, he, the 80% chance wouldn't necessarily be that much increased. The 80% chance of death wouldn't be increased. Um, whether Rabbi Yoshev Paskin for himself, I don't know. But they did the operation, and he lived, uh, this was from 2002, he lived to 2012. So after this operation, he lived another 10 years. But during those 10 years, that was the period, and I'm going to talk about it in a second, because we talk about the return of Rabbi Yoshev, and I, 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 that's the title. I looked it up today, uh, Holmes Files, that there was five books that are part of the Arthur Conan Doyle canon of the Sherlock Holmes books. One of them, of course, is the case book of Sherlock Holmes, and then we did the case book of Rebel Yashiv. And of course, this is the return of Rebel Yashiv. In a way, these last 10 years were the years that I have to say, and again, I, uh, I don't mind putting it out on the internet and saying it publicly, many of the statements of Rebel Yashiv and the letters <coughs> that he supposedly signed and things that he said, I believe, even though if you spoke to him personally, he was still Rebel Yashiv, many of the things that were going on, he was, he was being, um, influenced in a way. I'm going to talk about one of the things in a minute. Um, but this was after Rebel Yoshev returned from the operation, and there's many, many stories about how great he was during that period. Uh, I just want to talk about this one, about Hakara Satoyev. So one of the people who came to visit him was uh, Uri uh, Loplyansky, who was... Now, you can tell me this better, Yaakov, what this means. Now, does that mean the mayor? So that means Mamish the mayor. Like Teddy Kolek was the mayor, he was the mayor. Okay. So we know he was a Shomer Torah Mitzvot. Right. Right. And it's clear that Rebel Yoshev and others were the, some of the people who pushed for him. And the Haredi votes are what caused him to be... Did he get in trouble? Or was he... Yeah, a, he, got in trouble. <laughs> he got in trouble. Okay. Yeah. So, Lopion... Lop, yeah, we're here We're here in Newark, which is the hotbed of mayors. Uh, yeah. Remember... Yeah, remember that, uh, Corey Booker, if you're listening. Now, that was... I like Corey, but I'm just saying, he comes from Newark, is not the best yichas, but in, in the fortunate areas, so many of the mayors are arrested as well. So anyway... Um, he came to Lopia, uh, was it Loplyansky or Lopiansky? Loplyansky, Lufilyansky. I don't know how to say it properly. He'll be me. But he came to uh, get a brach from Rebel Yoshev because his son was becoming bar mitzvah. So Rebel Yoshev said, "You know, I'm being, I'm, I'm not well now. I'm not even going out to the closest bar mitzvahs." He said, "I'm very sorry." So he told him, "He said, I, I'm not asking you to come. I know that you're ill." I just want a brocha, the mayor said. Okay. At the day, but he left the invitation, and it was on Rebbe Yoshev's desk. The day of the bar mitzvah, Rebbe Yoshev announced to the family, said, we're going. <laughs> he says, ma'uchim. He says, there's a bar mitzvah, we're going. He says, you can barely get out of bed, and you don't go to even, and you're going to get hundreds of relatives. You're not even going to close relatives bar mitzvah. You're going to this one. He says, I have to go. I, I thought about it. I, I have to be Makar Tov. Eiza Karasatov, Shalu. What a Karasatov did Revel Yashiv owe uh, the mayor? He says, I'll tell you why. He says, there is a, there is a, uh, Irgun, there is a, uh, uh organization. organization that has been developed in Eretz Yisrael. Thank you, Yaakov. That's called, you see, Yad yeah, Yad Sarah. Yad Sarah is an official government organization. It's not what? It's a non-profit. Non-profit, but the, but the city helps pay for it, right? So he says, they gave me my hospital bed, they gave me my walker, and I owe for that, and it could be Lopiansky helped connect no, him. No, Lopiansky is the, uh, he, he, he was the, I think he did it. He, oh, he was the head of Yad Sarah. Yeah. This is why Yaakov came to our shir today, because I would have said that Yad Sarah was a government agency. No, it's but, government. Yeah, so Piansky was, before he became mayor, he was sort of involved in yeah, Yad Sarah. Uh, Good. So now the story is beautiful. Thank you so much. Come every week. So that's what he says. He says, he says, he says, that's the chov I owe him. He says, so they told him back a typical type of answer. They said, what do you mean? The whole Yad Sarah was worth it, that they should be able to be Meshamish, the Tzaddik, the God of Ador, to give you a bed and to give you that. 
You don't owe them. It's a schus for them that they can provide for you. And secondly, right? Secondly, look what you did for him. He said, you made him Rosh Yerushalayim. It's because you told people to vote for him and you got people on his side. He says, he owes you more than you owe him. So once again, Rebel Yoshev again said, no, Hakarasatev is not tit for tat. It's not paying what he did to you. He says, you think, right, is that what you're supposed to do? I have to mock your tov, I have to figure out what you did for me? Hakarasatev, and this is really the aside about it, it's a meat that you have to have. You, you have to be a person that realizes that you didn't do it by yourself. When you actually spend that hour writing this this carefully worded uh, dedication, the bracha, when you do those things or or push yourself to go to the bar mitzvah, you're, you, what you're doing is actualizing the meat of akaras atov that you have, and that's why you do it. And to just say I know I owe it to him is not enough. You have to act upon it. So therefore, the way you're makir tovo, just to say, oh, I, I'm makir tov. So this, I think, really puts into perspective in many ways. We don't go overboard. We don't go to the, to the end of the earth, the Latin, an extreme. We don't give back, like the story about the Rosh Hashiva, about Rav David Cohen. But on the other hand, so this, I thought, was a, was a, a sort of like a sense of Rebbe Yoshev in Satov. I know it's not really Gishmaka Halocha de Gishaylis, but I think for us, as we approach Elul and Midas Tevis, I think it's an important thing. Now let's get to at least, let, thank you. Let's get to it. Let's get, I think, yeah, you meet, there's no, you're not facetious on that, Yishkayach, right? No. <laughs> okay. Nice. Yeah. So anyway, but, 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 but really illustrated by Rebbe Yoshev and really. I don't know. <laughs> I, okay. This was not one of those. Okay. Let's talk about Rav Meish is the man. Now, in order to understand this, um, I want to point out to you, you this. Know what Rav Meish used to say about Okay, Yaki. Go ahead, Yaki. the shares of Shilas. People come to him and you know, ask him Shilas, you know, that he had, that he, does he have to do something because this guy did something bad. Right. In other words, you need you need to be a shtickle of to realize. Mm-hmm. But but I, I think this helps a little bit. I think these stories of Eliyashiv I think puts in perspective some of the aspects of So thank you. It's not really just a uh, it's not just a story time. I mean, I promised. Okay. I have to tell you, by the way, this morning one of the things that I was involved in was. Um, our Rosh Hashiva came to um, our minion this morning, Rav Aaron Feldman, the Rosh Hashiva of uh, Neri Yisrael. And um, since there weren't that many people there, I was here in, in Newark, in the Yeshiva of Newark. And, not, and I'm sorry, I'm getting mixed Elizabeth. up. Elizabeth. So, yeah. So, be, so be, what? I didn't think I saw him. Yeah. So because of that, I was sort of involved with him. And, and again, we were talking after davening, and I was getting him coffee and ever introducing him to all the people in, um, in, the, in the, all the B'nai Torah to come give him shalom. Anyway, so I asked him about his, because he lived in Eretz Yisrael for many years before he became uh, Rosh Hashim in Eretz Yisrael. So I said, I'm speaking about Rabbi Yoshev today, and I've been giving the shirim about him. Maybe you can, um, maybe you can help me out and tell me over something that you had a personal story with him. So he said the one that came to mind was this one. Um, he said that this is the part three. Okay, I got it. Okay, so um, he said that there was a younger man, a Koyul fellow, whose child had passed away. And he passed away because he had developed a terrible stomach illness and had diarrhea to the point that the child had become so um, emaciated and, and uh, when you lose all your fluids, um, dehydrated through the diarrhea. And the, the, the father was worried that maybe he should have been more proactive. He should have realized that the baby, you know, there's something's going on here. He shouldn't just say, ah. But maybe by the time he saw that it was an issue, they brought him to the hospital and the doctors, it was already so late in the process, they weren't able to save the child. And he was, I guess, a two, three-year-old child. So he was living with this terrible pain, this terrible guilt, this terrible sense of what he should do. And and uh, Rebel Yosh- so Rav, Rav Feldman took him to Rebel Yoshev, and he says there was a, 
there was a very large line of people waiting to speak to him. And I'm not sure, I asked Rip Feldman if he indicated that he, that, um, but he said that somehow Rebel Yoshev, when he, he was able to, I guess, indicate that this was something that was very, that was a, a serious issue. So Rebel Yoshev took him to his room and spent an hour with him. Now Rebel Yoshev usually was like this. And he spent an hour with him, talking to him. And, being Mephias him about this, and Rav Feldman was 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 in the spoil. How you know Rav Yosha, every minute, every second, count. He was so makbed on his man, and here he was. He took the time to speak to a father and to be menachem to tell him that he had done everything that he could. That human beings, and again, if the Bernstein's, you'll be listening to this. I know how difficult it was thinking that perhaps there was so much more you could do and we all think about that when we lose someone and you have to realize that if your shtadlis was good, even though you noticed the mistakes what you could have made, that you, you have to realize, this is what you have to be, makabel. so he was very moved by the Rebbe Yoshev, the God of Ador, really in so many ways took the time to speak to someone who was a, a broken person and to bring him back. So that was that was the story that Rabbi Feldman said over to me. But I want to show you this. This is something that someone who has become one of like the experts on a Haredi life in Eretz Yisrael, Benjamin Braun, wrote the following. I mentioned about the Langer case. Suffice to say, we'll get into it more. Suffice to say, in the Langer case... Um, Rebel Yoshev resigned from the Rabbanut. Um, he felt that uh, it, what, what had happened indicated he can no longer be part of the Bezdin. Now remember, Rebel Yoshev was chosen by Rav Unterman to be there. He sat with Rav Yitzhak Nisim, he sat with all Rav Shol Yisrael, he sat with people who you might call them Mafdalniks, you might call them Mizrachniks, he sat with the whole crew of whoever was in the Rabbanut, and he was the most respected uh, Dayan in the Rabbanut. Uh, now, even though the Briskorov had said that it's Oster to be to go to, to act, and even his, his Mechutin, the Stipler, said when people ask them they shouldn't take the test to become Dayanim, that they should just be Rabbanim and Rashi Koyo. Dayanis, you can make a little bit of money in there, it's Yisrael, mm-hmm. right? So it's a nice eights if a person who knows how to learn, I wish I, wish I could make some of that over <laughs> but I'm saying, I make a little bit as a Dayan, but I'm saying there, you could really live off of being a Dayan, you could really make a nice Parnosa. So people came to the stipler, who was the Rebbe Yashem's Mechutin, and asked, can I study for that? Is it something we should do? It's happening a little bit more. The stipler said that you shouldn't, but the Briskorov said you shouldn't be part of the Rabbanut in any way, but Rebbe Yoshev, meanwhile, was part of it until the Langer case. And when, when, when Rebbe Goran issued his psak, Rebbe Yoshev resigned. And um, you can see here what Benjamin Braun wrote in this article in 2010, I believe. Look what he says here. He says... Um, This was a a sort of like a a sign of protest. I've been here for 20-something years. 20 years, he was a Dayan. I I resigned. This is Patrus, says Brown, showed, and this is the theory, that he, he started moving away from the 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 religious Zionist world and that he was connected to. We talked about Rav Cook was his Masada Kedushin and Rav Herzog and others. Now that Sibra Haredi, he says, started saying, hmm, now his Karno Holchavalta, his he started to rise, his, his star started to rise when he left the Rabbanut. Now he could become fully elevated by the Haredi world. And he says that he uh, Brown says that he definitely would have would have been uh, uh, he became much bigger than he ever would have been had he stayed as part of the Rabbanut because and therefore he says that and even uh, and then Brown makes the following statement and again I I, I disagree with this 
I don't disagree that he left the Rabbanut. I don't disagree that it was uh, a very strong statement. But 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 as he yeah, but as he says here, he says his psakim changed. He said that if you take a look here, he says that he started to paskin in a different way. So even though normally, Rav, Rav, it's too bad um, uh, Menachem's not here, um, Mitch um, uh, Silberberg, because he says, Rav Yoshev said about himself, I'm thin. He says, I don't have, I have very thin shoulders, he said. I can't change things. However, he says in 1974, Rav Yoshev paskined, uh, 1973, I'm sorry, says that the Yom has a 100% din of Mulchemes Mitzvah, no question about it. He says, look what he says here, Suffolk in my Yom I'm not sure, Benjamin Brown writes, if today, now that he's become this Haredi idol, whether he would say every war that, that, that Eretz Yisrael takes on has a din of Mulchemes Mitzvah. And even in terms of the way he deals with the Chilonim, Amadoso Machmira, his his attitude towards the Chilonim became more chomer. He says, not like the Chazanish and others who we've talked about in the in, in the earlier part of the twentieth century, who said we should take we should we should treat the Chilonim as Tinokoshin Nishbu, and therefore many of even though they seem to be angry at us and screaming at us and calling us parasites and that stuff like that a lot of that is stuff that they can't control because of the way they've been raised you have to treat them with Rachmonos as Chotame Ones no, Rebbe Yashiv changed and said that the Chilonim have a din of a Mumrim Bizman Azeh, you should treat them like Goyim etc, etc now alright, so um, I have a problem with this the problem, of course, I have with this is because, as much as I admit that Rebel Yoshev, we look at him at different times of his age, but to say that because now he left the Rabbanut and now he was elevated by the Haredi world, that all of a sudden he would change the way he looked at halacha and treat Chilonim different, and etc., I have a problem with this. Uh, and I don't think it's correct. And I think that if you... It, it really does a disservice to him. We all are, look, we all change based on what we discover and find out. But this definitely gives you the, it's, I, th- I think it's a cheap shot on Rebel Yashiv. It makes it seem as if he's sort of like, yeah, like, like, like the, like, you can, it's the politicians who now that they, right, they have to now, right, Biden has to, right, has to be, whatever it is, whoever it is, has to change. Um, I, I'd like to prove to you that that's not the case, and I'm going to prove it to you here. Um, this is um, we, the very famous chiddush of Rav Moshe Feinstein. Rav Moshe says about uh, as a big chiddush about uh, being mitzvah of people that are machali shabbos to a minion. We know that and this was his uh, his chiddush. I have it here. Hang on a second, please. Machali um, shabbos. So. Um, Thank you. Um, we know that there's a mitzvah of v'kidashti betoch b'nei Yisrael. That's how we learn the mitzvah, that you have to make a Kiddush Hashem berabim. But there's another way we make a Kiddush Hashem berabim, as Rav Shach reminded us, when we were alive, not just dying Kiddush Hashem, but saying, Amen Yishmei Rabba, and people answering. That's also v'nikdashti. But what's considered b'nei Yisrael? What's considered besoch b'nei Yisrael? How many? So we know what the answer is, 10, right? How do we know that magic number? So the way we know that number, the Gemara Sanhedrin learns it out from the Meraglim and from Korach, right? That Korach is called, uh, right? Is Ad is an Ada, right? And that's how we know, right? I'm sorry, Betoch is Hibodl Mitoch, Mitoch Ada. Moshe is told Hibodl Mitoch Ada. And A is a minimum ten. We know from the Maraglim. So Korach is the Toch, the Maraglim is the Ada. So the Maraglim it teaches us the amount of people that you need for a minion. So Ramesha says, look at the Maraglim. The Gemara says in Eirachin that they weren't just Bali Hara. They spoke against God. They said God can't do it. They, 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 they didn't have a moon and they're Banishram, they're Kaifrim. Rishoyim, the Pasik calls them. Anoshim are Rishoyim Ayu, the Kaifrim, they were Kaifrim Hashem. Ramesh says, I don't care how bad a Machal Shabbos is. He can't be worse than the Maraglam were. 
the Meragim were Kaifer and the Rabbeinu Shalom. And still we bring a raya from them, what is a minion? So Ramesha therefore says, I'm not getting to whether they should daven or not. Adas Kara proves that a certain amount of people is an Ada, and Meraglim is the minimum of 10. Right. So it's really both. Both groups are not Sadiqim. True, but especially the Meraglim. Rav Moshe zeroes it on the Meraglim. So that's Rav Moshe's Chiddush. He wrote it in the first Chayil Gavarachayim, and he says, because of that, you're allowed to be Mitzvah them to the minion. What is. Okay. So look at what Rav Yashiv said about that. Sarayatsuma. <laughs> he says he's the man. Remember, I told you he was one of the people. I don't know if they ever met face to face, but uh, I just heard this yesterday from a very a big mohel in, 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 in er- who, who had shimush by Rebbe Yashiv in Eretz Yisrael. He said that a question came up about Yont of Shani, how to deal with a Yont of Shani question about the second day. It was asked to the Manchester of the Dayan of Eretz Yisrael, of, of the Eda Haredus, which was Dayan Weiss. Dayan Weiss says, this is too complicated for me. You should ask Rebbe Yoshev. Rebbe Yoshev said, call Rebbe Moshe Feinstein. Rebbe Feinstein, Rebbe Moshe, they called Rebbe Moshe right away. Rebbe Moshe gave him the answer in two minutes and he explained it. Rebbe Yoshev said, that's the person, that's one of the people that's alive today that if I would see him, I'd make the brocha shecholok mechachmosay. That's what Rebbe Yoshev said about Rebbe Moshe. So he says, it's a great raya. However, when they asked Rabbi Yoshev about, so can we use Ramesh's psak here in Eretz Yisrael to have people who aren't Machal Shabbos be part of Machal Shabbos be part of the minion? He says, okay, I can't be Mekel because the Mishnah Bura. If you read the Mishnah Bura, he says a Machal Shabbos beforehesia, you can't be Mitzvah of the minion. So. Um, Ben Siyun Cook, I'm not sure who he is, as Talmud of Rebbe Yashiv, asked Rebbe Yashiv on this question. And he said, <coughs> we know what's from Moshe's Raya, from the Meraglim. Meraglim, Rishoyim. But he says, the Chofetz Chaim, in his Sefer, Shmiras Haloshim, when he writes about the Meraglim, he says, how could the Meraglim say, they saw all the Nisim of, 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 of Kriyas Yamsuf and, and Matan Torah, how could they say God can't do it? So he said, they didn't believe in themselves, which Nitziv says that as well. He says they felt that they had done Averot, they'd done the Egel, the Basar Taiva. Uh, you know what? God's not going to, for us who are Bali Avera, God is not going to allow us to beat those nations. Eretz, you're going to get Eretz Yisrael if you're on the Madriga of Tzadik. But if you're not, God's not going to give us into this, it's not going to save us. So, think about it. If that's the Pshat, then Ramesh's Raya falls off, right? Because they were sort of misguided. They didn't believe in themselves, right? But they weren't kaifrim in God. Look at Rabbi Yoshev's answer about the Chofetz Chaim. They're drush. He says, that's drush. It's not pshat. So, Vavadai, the Ramesh's Raya is strong. Ah, you're going to tell me the Chofetz Chaim? Ah, Rabbi Yashiv probably said it with a smile. Chavetz Chaim holds like the Prima Godim that you can't move to anyway. So when he comes to the Maraglim, which is Rav Moshe's Raya, he has to learn about Maraglim al Drush. He has to come up with a Drush answer to explain the Maraglim. I don't know if Rav Moshev really meant this. But the point is, is that you see from here, he doesn't, he, he actually now, would he actually, obviously Eretz Yisrael is different than Chutz Lawrence. The, in Eretz Yisrael, it's a different mindset and mentality. But I don't believe, I think, again, there, there, there's other proofs that Brown brings, but I think you see from here, his covenant for emotion, and that he was ready, whether he did it himself, he didn't necessarily think that you can't be Mestar Machali Shabbos, they treat him like Goyim. Again, I, I think that it, you need to take it uh, with a grain of salt, considering what you see over here. There's one last thing. Um, that was Ramesh's the man. What was the other? What was the last thing? The last thing was this one. Um, so we did one and two. We did Hakaras Hatayv, and we did oh, the Langer case rocks. Okay, so we did Ramesh's the man. We did Hakaras Hatayv, Eliashavian perspective, and the Langer case rocks. Um, okay, one of Rav Gorin's. Okay, uh, the, the, we have, should we just leave the Langer case for next week? What time is it now? How many minutes to Mincha? We passed. 
Okay. So, right. so give me. All right. So let me explain the Langer case briefly, just to give it the color that it needs. Okay. This is what happened. Um, we'll just talk again. I'm not going to spend too much time in it. I know I might have to stop now because I'm not sure if it's going to. It might have a problem in terms of too much time. All right. So we'll Mir Tashem, next week. Uh, we'll talk about the Langer case, and it's going to rock. Uh, I, 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 I promise you that. Okay. Thanks a lot again, Rabbi. We should only have a good Rishon Shel. And uh, again, I'm Makertov to all of you. <laughs> I can tell you that. Uh, have a good shot. Uh, no rock. Uh, I, 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 I promise you that. Okay. Thanks a lot again, Rabbi. We should only have a good Rishon Shel. And uh, again, I'm Makertov to all of you. <laughs> I can tell you that. Uh, good